All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are doing our first ever two-co-host episode. We're joined by two returning co-hosts. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Before we get into that and what the movie is, um, I would like to remind you all, please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. Also, please make sure to rate and review us if you're enjoying the show. We actually just got our 30th rating on iTunes, which is uh, really awesome. It's 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 hard out there trying to get people to rate and review podcasts, but you know what? We really appreciate it when you do. So uh, you should also join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group, and go sign up for our mailing list on our website, piecingpod.com, and follow us on social media at piecingpod. All right, now that I got all that out of the way, today is the movie Glass. This is a movie that many nerds like myself have been waiting for for 20 years. This is the sequel to M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable. And a few years ago, we got the surprise first sequel, which was the movie Split, uh, starring James McAvoy, which we didn't know was going to be a sequel until the end credits started to roll, and then we all collectively lost our minds. And now, just a couple years later, we're back with the full sequel that brings the characters of both those movies together and completes the story. And uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag, um, as most modern-day M. Night Shyamalan movies are. But, that being said, uh, there's plenty to like about this movie. And despite its flaws, I found myself enjoying it quite a bit, and we had a lot of fun talking about it. So let's jump into the conversation with two of our returning favorite co-hosts, Ryan Darty and Chad Clinton Freeman. Alright, so we are doing something a little bit different today on the show. We've got with us two of our returning co-hosts. With us today is Chad Clinton Freeman and Ryan Darty. How you guys doing? Great, good, great, good. great. This is going to be interesting, you guys. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> should be fun, should be fun. I, <laughs> I was thinking, um, you know... This it could get a little messy with all of us, uh, you know, jumping in with our puzzle pieces and everything. But it's probably not going to be more messy than glass. So uh, we, we should, <laughs> it should work out one way or another. So I, I do want to um, say right off the bat, this is like a really good movie to be doing this sort of crossover episode with, um, yeah. because like uh, glass and Unbreakable and Split, they're all about like different sides of the same coin. Um, mm -hmm. And I especially, uh, anyone who's a member of our uh, Piecing It Together podcast discussion group, which you should totally join, uh, Chad yes. and I both start a lot of conversations on there. Um, and in particular, like I think Chad and I like a lot of the same things in a general sense. And then once you get down to the specifics, we have very <laughs> different tastes. But like yeah. we all still kind of come from the same root of interests and appreciations. And Dave, you tend to like frequently kind of be in the middle of that. Uh, so yeah. I think that like for a movie like this, it's like perfect to bring us all together of liking different things, disliking different things, and just kind of like fully covering it and getting to do a crossover about what, 14 months in the making podcast been going on for a little over a year now, something like that. No, no, not quite a year will oh, be really? March. So oh, yeah, we wow. are just okay. before the year mark. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah. 11 months in the making then by the <laughs> yes, time this airs. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I do think this is going to be fun. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it's it's definitely a movie that even uh, aside from just us, I mean, opinions are just all over the yeah. park mm-hmm. with this one. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see where we all come in on these things. Um, I'm expecting a relatively long conversation here. So I think we should kind of just jump right in and then we'll right. be getting to various other notes and thoughts as we go through it. Um which one do you guys? Do you guys want to fight for it or something? A big superhero fight? Who wants to go first? <laughs> um, well, so I've got one that isn't so much a puzzle piece, but is something I would like to talk about and get out of the way. Um, okay. So I'll jump in with that, and then you or Chad can jump in with like a real puzzle piece. Um, okay. Which is, based on what I was thinking about this movie and how I feel about it, the number one thing I've been thinking of, and uh, Dave, I know your opinions on this movie, but is uh, The Last Jedi. Uh, the Star Wars movie that came out recently. Because there are a lot of very legitimate reasons to dislike The Last Jedi, but anyone who does like The Last Jedi will write off your disliking it as being like, (laughs) oh, well, you just didn't like who, like, Luke turned out to be. Or like, oh, you didn't like, like this thing like all about like oh you didn't like it because it didn't satisfy your expectations it's like no i didn't fucking like it because it was a bad movie like, <laughs> totally different reasons <laughs> and glass i feel like everyone i've talked to so far when i'm like i don't like it they're like oh you probably just didn't like it because it didn't end in like a cool fight scene and it's like well like <laughs> yeah I, that would have been nice but that's not why i didn't like it or like oh you didn't like it because like bruce willis just like didn't turn into like this like super god king and it's like well that's not what I wanted either, like, I have legitimate reasons for not having been a fan of this movie, but because of the way it's so built around, like, subverting expectations and stuff like that, I feel like it's impossible to to say you like this movie and have someone objectively listen to why you didn't like it. Uh, I think very that's a really like interesting point. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, just really impromptu, really quick before we continue, uh, let's go Ryan first. Last Jedi or Glass? What did you like more? Oh, uh, Glass. Okay. Um, what about Chad? What do you like more? Glass. Okay, there we go. Um, I, I, Je- like, Last I like Jedi Last Jedi has... more, and I, I don't like Star Wars, and I like Last Jedi more. Well, Last Jedi has <laughs> scenes I would rather watch. Like, there, like, the problem with Glass for me is there's not a single moment in Glass that even the best parts of it, there was at least, like, a dozen things that I hated that were happening at any given point. <laughs> um, which is more due to the fact that I'm very set up for failure and that I love the stories M. Night Shyamalan tells, but I don't like his directing or his cinematography or his dialogue or the performance that he coaches out of his actors. So, so like... You like the I, opening so, credit sequences, so, basically. Yes, he likes, like, so take it with a huge grain of he salt. He likes the idea that, of M. Knight, but he doesn't yes, really like it. that's yeah. actually so <laughs> true. Man. Um, so, so, for, so I did have to take it with a grain of salt that sometimes those scenes that, like, I was like, oh, this is amazing, but there's, like, a half dozen things I didn't like, I would have had that same complaint about an identical scene happening in Unbreakable, which is... Oh, let's get this out of the way real quick. Um, so, like, Unbreakable split glass. Did everyone already like both of the prequels going into this, or did anyone, like, love or hate one? Or... Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I uh, loved Unbreakable, and uh, I guess I'd say I pretty much loved uh, Split as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat. And I loved yeah. Unbreakable. I liked Split. I, I liked Split. I didn't love it, but it was good. Um, Unbreakable is probably one of my top 20 favorite movies i mean i I would agree with that it's it's on my list for sure um and then like split like 
it's hard for me to say because like if anyone else besides James McAvoy played that role it probably would have been terrible like so oh, yeah. much of the heavy lifting of that movie is done by him um that like I don't actually know how I genuinely feel about it <laughs> <laughs> well let, let's jump into the next puzzle piece yeah. Chad what, what's your first uh non-Last Jedi puzzle piece okay, okay. so so Last Jedi was actually a good jumping off point um, for the first puzzle piece, because uh, me totally, uh, I this film is totally like a smaller scale version of Batman v Superman. Totally yeah, in yeah. so many ways. Uh, I feel like that this movie even has its own Martha moment, even. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, it very uh, much does. So I mean, it, and out of it, the way, I do think it was done just as poorly in Glass <laughs> as I thought it was done in Batman versus Superman. So don't um, say that I unfairly hate on DC. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, seriously though, this is very much uh, uh, this is the thing I didn't like about this movie is that. It very much, and, and I know this is this is very much how M Night operates, but it's mm-hmm. it so tells you what's going to happen, and then tells you what happened, and then explains what happened as well. It's like, yeah, oh, we're really, really subverting comic books, and it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, Batman, Batman v Superman did that in a way where it pissed so many people off, like Last Jedi. And didn't tell you that it was doing it. And I think in a lot of ways, people didn't even realize that that's why they hated it. Um, this mm-hmm. one does it, and all the while is telling you that, yes. uh, you know, <laughs> explaining it. It's for it's it's really a dumbed-down version, I feel, of that movie. Smaller-scale version of that movie. Uh, I mean, seriously, in so many ways. Because uh, Glass himself, he, he's, you know, Lex Luthor. And uh, this kind of also gets into Suicide Squad a bit as well. So it's almost like what DC's been doing um, yeah. in the whole Zack Snyder era, uh, like kind of crammed into to one movie. So There's like a, a DC executive right now who like, the minute you said the words, a dumber version of Batman versus Superman, just like a tingle ran down his spine. <laughs> of like, regardless of if you like Batman v Superman or not, like I don't think it's typically talked about in the concerns of like how smart of a movie it is. And M. Night is usually hailed as, you know, too smart for his own good. So I think that's like a very interesting flip, which well, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with. Well, well, I, I personally, I, I do feel that both, both filmmakers, I feel Zack Snyder and M. Night, yeah. I think are very smarter than people give their credit, give them credit yes. for. Yes. But this one, I feel like that he really, he went too overboard with basically yes. trying to make people understand what was going on. Uh, and that so that was my big complaint with, with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. He, 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 he every single twist every single turn is so telegraphed it's like it's just constantly just just banging away at the same idea over and over again and uh you know i i almost feel like and like not to jump immediately to like the twists at the end and everything but i feel like each twist could have been its own movie like it could have been the ending of its own movie and he had to just squeeze all these things in so he had all these ideas, and I wonder, you know, he claims that he had the the main ending in yeah. mind ever since Unbreakable. I, yeah. I wonder if he 
if he really did have that in mind, if he had all of the other endings in mind as well, or if, right. like, he just kept having more and more ideas over the years and just decided, fuck it, I'm going to use every last one of these ideas I've come up with. Well, so years. so uh, um, the Horde was originally in the first version of the script for Unbreakable. Right. As like right, the henchman, like the muscle, basically. Um, so that wouldn't necessarily, but like, yeah, it was to the point when I went in with someone who hadn't seen Unbreakable, I was like, oh yeah, and it's like super obvious the train that killed Kevin's dad is the same train that like Bruce Willis got his powers in. She's like, oh, did they say it? And I was like, no, but like, I don't even think they're gonna say it because it's so obvious. And then they spend like 10 minutes <laughs> like re-explaining the like... Like, oh, in case you didn't notice that, like, because they're, they're calling this the East Rail 117 trilogy now, and they have been even since before, like, Glass came out. And I was right. like, all right, well, I guess if, if there was any doubt in my mind that that wasn't the same train, like, the name of the trilogy kind of gave it away. <laughs> Do you think right. if there's a fourth one, it will be a, uh, another character that they discover was on that train, but we just didn't know about? Well, a lot of people went into this movie thinking that the girl was going to get superpowers based on the end of the Oh, I thought that, too. That's what I thought, too. I mean, but of course, see, that's the thing. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy, her character is Wonder Woman. If you think about Batman v Superman, (laughs) Wonder Woman didn't do a lot in it. So, see? Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will say, uh, Dave, specifically in response to your, like, did he throw a bunch of things in? Um, there's one line which I hate and think single handedly saved a lot of the shitty stuff at the ending of the movie is like when, mm-hmm. when Samuel L. Jackson is dying and he goes, no, 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 this was just another origin story. And he kind right, of, right. And, and that was like a throwback to. Um, original Unbreakable, how you kind of didn't necessarily realize it was a superhero origin story the entire time. You thought it was going to, like, end in this big climax, but it just kind of ends by introducing the villain. Um, This sort of doubles down on that and does it on a grander scale. So I do actually think that, like... And I don't mean this as a compliment. He did intend to do everything he did in the ending of the movie. <laughs> like, like that was all his own volition. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dave, I don't know if you have a puzzle piece or you're going to jump in next, but I do have one that piggybacks really well off of um, what Chad was saying with... Okay, well, mine does mine does too, but I'll let oh, okay. you go first. Yeah, why, don't, okay. why don't you go ahead with yours? So I'm going to get this one out of the way, and this is the one that I warned you about as like an example of how I didn't like this movie very much. Um, Scream 3, specifically. <laughs> okay, bear with me. There aren't a lot of... Most meta movies don't get sequels to begin with, and there's not a lot of... So there's not a lot to draw from in terms of like sequels to movies that are built around their meta. But Scream 1 very much was characters knew they were in a slasher and referenced it while at the same time being a very, very good slasher and kind of taking Mm. the piss out of some of the tropes. Um, And and in my opinion, it worked really well. I think think Scream 1 is an amazing satire and an amazing slasher. It works on both levels. Uh, And Unbreakable sort of does too. But then by the time you get to Scream 3... There's like, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I'll, I'll spoil it for, you know, spoiler alert, 20 years later. Jamie Kennedy's character dies and records a video recording being like, mm-hmm. yo, just so you guys know, here's what to expect in this Right, movie. right. And like, he completely lays it down in a way that feels so much less organic than in the first movie. And also is like very clearly being like, 
Do you get what we're doing? We're deconstructing the genre. Um, and it was like, like so much of like Samuel L. Jackson's dialogue and Sarah Paulson's dialogue felt to me like Jamie Kennedy as a, you know, from the beyond VHS ghost explaining like, well, now when you're in the third part of a superhero movie, you really got to have this because you reveal the origins that somehow bring the hero closer together to the villain and just doing the same kind of thing. But like with so much less nuance than right. Unbreakable <laughs> did, which I think ties in extremely well to what um, to what Chad was saying. About how, like, instead of, like, show don't tell or tell don't tell, like, in this one, like, M. Night Shyamalan was just doing tell and then tell again. Like, yes, he completely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, M. Night himself could be a superhero called the Deconstructor. Ooh. And he deconstructs this, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and, and, and that that's that's the thing there is that it, he, he, M. Night pretty much, like, kind of deconstructs himself with each movie and so he yes. kind of he kind of gets boxed into I have to do this and I have to do that and then that's where he really gets into like this like I feel like almost a fight with himself yes. as a filmmaker yes. and then that's where like he's like okay so I really got to deconstruct the the comic book uh movies and i gotta tell them how i'm doing it and then i've got to deconstruct my own <laughs> movies at the same time and then i've got to i've got to make this tie into the unbreakable i mean it's just like that was definitely the problem with this one is this just trying to do all of that as opposed to yeah. just having th which is what was so great about uh split is that yeah it was just a unique weird world that he threw us into and then yep. all of a sudden it was like, boom, oh, this ties in. So it was so brilliant right. in that way. Whereas this one, it was like, okay, so let's tie in everything, including, hey, I'm M. Knight. I was in Split playing a character. <laughs> that character was in an Unbreakable also, but he, he was different then, remember? And so it's just like... <laughs> Man. Uh, <laughs> there was a small there was a small moment when Bruce Willis is getting out of the uh, psych, uh the uh mental institution and he's getting his stuff back and he gets a uh, a necklace with a ring on it. Mm -hmm. And I I swear I didn't remember that from Unbreakable if he used to wear that for a very split second I thought are they going to fucking tie this into the sixth sense? With, with nah. the ring? Like, I, I actually was like, his, wait a His wife was like the only instance of subtle storytelling in the entire film. Like, oh that might be God. the the only Dave, thing Dave, that, like, Dave, they you just didn't... you just ruined the sequel. Because obviously, <laughs> yeah, right. he goes on to be the guy in The Sixth Sense. Oh, my. Oh, because you know he's dead now. Right. <laughs> if we want to give M. Night way more credit than he deserves, <laughs> it could be argued that the entire over-explaining thing is a deconstruction of how dumb superhero movies are nowadays and how they have to be very unsubtle and it's all just explosions and exposition about like gods from 900 years ago who are like back to destroy Earth. So if we really, really <laughs> want to not be bothered by that i think that's the best bet is to say that m night was deliberately doing that to be like see how dumb it is when you explain everything to your audience <laughs> i love it 
I love it. That's, that's my new... I, I was explaining to, to Chad beforehand that this entire podcast is going to be me trying to convince myself that I liked this movie. Like, right. I'm going to be like I, looking I find, for any yeah. angle I, I can. I find I'm liking it more as, as I think about it. I'm liking it more, but I don't think I will ever cross over into like liking it, liking it. It's just like, eh, it's, it's, it's all right. It's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I, I'm going to go with my first puzzle piece yeah, here, yeah. <laughs> um, and it is a it is a bucket as we sometimes do. It is the films of Kevin Smith, uh, specifically okay, Mall yes. Rats, Chasing Amy, Jane, Silent Bob Strike Back, all the movies where they go on and on about comic books and yes. comic book movies and what it means to you know what comic books mean and what they mean to them and. Uh, you know, these characters, they, they never quite stop. And we, we've been touching on that a little bit uh, in, in some of the things we were talking about in the, the previous puzzle pieces here. But yeah, it, it's just, it's just a, a, a constant uh, explaining to the audience of what comic books are and why, you know, nerds love comic books, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kevin Smith did that really well in those movies. It was really fun. Um, and I just think it's been done many, 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 many times since then. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think it's necessary anymore. I think we all know what an origin story is. We all know, you know, a lot, a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, tropes within the comic book world. Yeah. Uh, but, but still, M. Night's going for it with this one. <laughs> no, that is, yeah, that's, Man, I didn't even think of that. I, I I definitely at one point tried to think of if like Kevin Smith had actually directed a superhero movie because I was like, oh, it would probably be pretty similar to that. Uh, and then I like just inevitably got drawn back to the Nicolas Cage Superman that he wrote. And then I just got sad <laughs> right. and stopped thinking about anything else <laughs> in life. Yeah, that that that's 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 the sad place to go from there. <laughs> you don't you don't you don't think anymore once you get to Nick Cage in a mullet with the Superman costume. Like, that's where the thinking stops. It's just the best, though. It's the fucking best. <laughs> Speaking of which, I, w- I watched Kick-Ass last night for the first time in years. And, oh, uh, he, amazing he, he's, movie. He's the best. He's the best. Oh, God. He's, he's so... Best. He didn't tell anyone he was going to do that voice until he got on set. That's just a fun fact, in case you weren't aware of that. He just, like... Was, well, I, I think he told the director. But, like, especially... And, like, the kids, they didn't get it because they didn't know who Adam West was anyway. So, right. <laughs> like, can you imagine? You just show up and you're like, oh, Nicolas Cage is the most famous actor I've ever worked with. And his first lines, he goes, "Good job, kick ass." And like, what? Like, <laughs> so good. So good. So, uh, so Chad, what's your next puzzle piece? Well, well, I was gonna say. So you brought up kick ass. Is it? Is it not a puzzle piece here, though? You just throwing it out there. Yeah, you could use it. You could. No, use no, no, it. no, no. I, 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 I hadn't seen it in years either. I, I, I can't recall. Um, I debated doing it, but I very distinctly remember a review I read once, and. Um, that, like, talks about, like, Kick-Ass had the unfortunate distinction of kind of being the first movie to take the piss out of superhero movies right after taking the piss out of superhero movies had already become a trope. Like, uh, like in a, basically, it's like, after, like, Watchmen and stuff, like, any, like, edgy anti-superhero movie is also in its own way, you know, a trope of its own. Uh, which is foreshadowing gotcha. that I will talk about Watchmen more later. So I would say, Chad, you should talk about your next puzzle piece. <laughs> well, um, I okay, so I'm going to jump us from comic books and uh, superheroes um, actually into uh, Russian uh, mobsters. 
So, uh, <laughs> Eastern Promises. David Cronenberg's okay. oh. uh, 2007 movie, Eastern Promises. Um, I don't know what it was. There was something that very much reminded me of that movie. That That's my favorite Cronenberg movie. Um, and I know, I remember at the time when I saw that film, there was something about it structurally that just reminded me of Unbreakable because it's kind mm. of like a, a first act where, you know, Unbreakable yeah. was very much, yeah, it kind of ends after the first act of the movie, you know, especially if it was like a Tarantino movie, you know, that would be part one. Uh, yeah. So I, to me, right, that's, right. that's 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 a lot how Eastern Promises was. And then I started thinking about the tattoos. The tattoos played a big part in Eastern Promises. And it's a film, you know, basically about uh, the secret society uh, that, you know, does these really horrible things. Um, and just the, 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 the way it is kind of like a realistic kind of gritty kind of movie as well um there's just a lot of things i felt that uh this film paralleled in a, in a lot of ways not that this movie was ultra realistic or gritty but as a comic book movie it, it definitely was um right so um side yeah exactly exactly uh and and not only that though because as i'm watching uh as i'm watching glass um, I, 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 I loved how every time that he turns into the beast, he takes his shirt off. And it, at first I thought he had actually taken all his clothes off. And I kind of like, was like, kind of like, he should have did that. He should have stripped naked every time he became the beast. And then it made me, cool. made me think back to the fight scene in Easter Promises, which is totally badass of, uh, oh, yeah. Viggo Mortensen fighting in the nude. <laughs> So you know, anyway, I've never yeah. seen the movie, but I know of that scene specifically because of oh, like the only reason I know the movie is <laughs> oh, that it, scene. It's a it's a great movie. It's, to me, it's definitely it, it's Cronenberg's best. It's my favorite of okay. his, and it's uh, Vigo is a total just badass in it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it is a great movie, and I haven't seen it in years, but I, it was just um, the there was something that kept making me think of that and then there was like all these yeah. little things like i just mentioned and then i was like i was like yeah the beast should have totally been nude i mean especially that that final uh you know fight scene him in the nude i don't know just <laughs> <laughs> of course m night m night's not the kind to go there so like, um, just uh like riding that deadpool wave of trying to make every move like the opposite of what most superhero movies do like try how can we make this r somehow quick <laughs> James McAvoy, yeah. take off all of your James clothes. James McAvoy's dick. No, okay, no, no, no. But the other reason it'd be terrible is every time he's the beast, he's hanging upside down. Right. So I don't know oh, that nice. I want to see naked James McAvoy hanging from the ceiling like a grotesque Ozzy Osbourne or something like that. Like, just <laughs> pouncing. I think I want to see that. I want to see it, but as a very different movie. Like, like I, I don't want Samuel L. Jackson wearing purple suits in that movie, or really anything besides just naked, upside down James McAvoy. Different film altogether. So, Ryan, what's your next puzzle piece? All right, well, if we're talking about super movies that superhero movies that have people's dicks in it, let's go with Watchmen, since I forgot right. it. So, I do. Is there? Are, there's got to be penises. In, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, Doctor Manhattan. What the fuck am I? Thinking? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> like that wasn't even what I was getting at at first. I just assumed oh, that, like, in oh, the, that. I, I think in the extended cut, you see Night Owl's dick. So, like, I was just going off of that. Um, so, Watchmen. 
in, in a couple different ways. Um, so first of all, I, I do still definitely think that Watchmen is the single best deconstruction of the superhero genre. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that Watchmen, the comic, is such an amazing deconstruction of the genre as well. And Zack Snyder is, like, really, really good at, like, closely adapting material. So I think, you know, that movie said a lot of what needs to be said about, like, yo, it'd kind of be really weird if, like, like if our world was mostly the same but superheroes were real. Like, it, it they'd be pretty fucking weird. Like, and... Nothing else has really fully captured that besides, you know, Watchmen. And and the other thing is, I think a lot about how Watchmen has a lot of flaws, but there's really, I don't think there's any way it could do a better job of what it was trying to do. And I've been sitting thinking around about, like, with Glass, like, what would I change about it? And besides the stuff, like, I, I had problems with the pacing and the editing, like, for the story it was trying to tell, it probably did the best version it could of that story. Like, you know, the execution could have been better. Um, but so I just feel like they're like, I never thought I'd call Watchmen the more successful version of anything else. Um, <laughs> and like, like I, I love, I love Watchmen, but like anyone who hates it, I don't blame them at all for it. Um, and I feel like I'm on the opposite side of that with like Glass. Um, Chad, Chad do, do you Watchmen like fan, Watchmen, right? Chad? I, I, I know you like yeah, so in I, general. I, I, I love uh, Watchmen. Uh, and I very much see uh, Watchmen as... Um, it's basically the original uh, Batman v Superman. Not to to come yes. back to the greatest movie ever, but uh, <laughs> I I definitely see uh, Batman v Superman as a version of Watchmen. Um, so so yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it was you can call it the best. It was definitely the the first uh, yeah. uh, as far as really deconstructing uh, the superhero movie. Um, and I, I thought of Watchmen as well in watching this one. Of course, to me, yeah. uh, I see Watchmen and 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 BBS very very uh, tightly. Uh, yes. Very much. Uh, I just structurally, thematically, there's so many so many things to it. Now, yes. The the thing with this one is is that it wants to be as smart as Watchmen. It wants to be as smart as Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um but it's not as smart as it wants to be. No. <laughs> uh so that's that's his main thing. I think that Watchmen is too smart for people and I think Batman v Superman is too smart for people. I know most people will argue with me on that and uh <laughs> perhaps they don't pick up on everything that I pick up on with it. But um so yeah, I mean totally uh there's a, there's a lot of uh similarities um and uh not quite I don't feel it connects Quite as much as BBS does, uh, but totally. I mean, I think I think that those two movies. I mean, if M Knight hadn't seen those movies and used those as inspiration, I think he should go yeah. watch those movies watch and uh, remake this movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah they, saying, they have similar so. goals, all three <laughs> yes. of them, really similar goals, and just not the right approach. Really. I, I would say that the biggest difference, um, and maybe this is why you think it doesn't connect to as Unbreakable as much, but which uh, or to Glass as much, but why I actually think it does more is um is specifically i feel like um batman v superman is kind of more of a deconstruction of the people whereas mm. watchmen is more of a deconstruction 
of um, of the tropes themselves. Mm. Like like Good. like uh, Batman v Superman, you know, takes the the really rich concept of the fact of like the, uh, Superman is like a Christ-like figure and like the cult-like worship around him, which is a thing that like a movie hadn't explored before. Um, but to me, that's very much a like, well, what if we focused on Superman in a vacuum? How would the world effect and then i think like batman v superman is kind of a he did that to batman he did that to superman and now those worlds are colliding whereas watchmen to me is a little more how would the world as a whole change or like be impacted mm -hmm. by all these things i think that's kind of not fair to do the comparison because watchmen is so much more closely entwined with like alternate reality politics and the alternate history timeline and stuff like that but like you know um Glass was very much trying to be like, here's a trope, let's have a character say that trope out loud, and then the opposite happens. Ha ha, isn't that smart? Like, <laughs> Right. Poor M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> That's all I could come up with, I think. <laughs> oh, man. I will admit, um... the, one, really quick, the one thing that, um, so I am curious with you guys, did, did you guys call it that he wasn't going to make it to the tower for the fight, that it was going to end before that? Did you guys both think that was pretty obviously telegraphed or did you actually expect them to fight on the rooftop oh i i did to not honest, expect it but i i didn't um i mean i i, I just didn't see that happening i i didn't feel okay, that that sure. was gonna happen but it wasn't that yeah, i was I like honestly I, it's not had no happen. clue okay. yeah I, I i didn't know what was gonna happen and i don't mean it in a suspenseful good way i was just like yes. i i don't know what the fuck's gonna happen like like I have no idea what they're going for anymore, and like I don't know what's going to happen. It could be the big fight on the roof, and that's like, oh, that's a superhero thing. Or it could be the ha ha, they didn't even make it to the roof because comic books aren't real. Ha ha, I'm so smart. Yeah. M night thing. The only thing that was going against me, um, and Dave, you, you're you used to be live in Philadelphia, right? Or am I uh, in, that? in in Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania, in okay. But, so yeah. so I, I I grew up very close to Philadelphia, so I I always love. Uh, M. Knight's love affair with right. the Philadelphia skyline. Uh, and that was the only reason I, that was the only thing that surprised me in the entire movie. Everything else about that movie, you could see, uh, you know, a million miles away. I thought they were going to make it to the tower just because I thought M. Knight wanted to film a scene in his view of the Philadelphia skyline. Um, mm. so that was working against me was I was like, Oh, I know your tricks M night. You're just forcing this tall building in cause you want to get some shots of the skyline. And then for once <laughs> M night actually was too clever and he did fool me. He beat you. Yeah. He fucking got you, Ryan. Oh so, man. I, so, I, he, he is the real mastermind. So <laughs> not, not to interrupt the discussion here, but sure. I had an important question popped in my head because okay. it's the first time i've ever actually spoken to ryan um yes. so uh you you said you had grown up uh philadelphia uh uh was it the playground where you spent most of your days uh just curious. uh you know for a while i would i would i would chill out max and relax all cool a lot um but then uh this one time there were a couple of guys and a whole thing happened it was it was weird um but now i'm on the west coast okay uh, so. okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, you, you know a tale as old as time, really. Uh, all right, so Dave, what do you got? Okay. Yeah, so I'm gonna go to my next puzzle piece. Uh, my next one is uh, a movie I don't think a lot of people saw. Uh, it's the Jeff Nichols film Midnight Special. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah, uh, that's the Michael Shannon one. 
Yeah, yeah my, well, Michael Shannon's in all, all of his movies, but okay. yeah, it, okay. Michael Shannon's <laughs> in it, and his kid may or may not have some kind of superpowers, and there is a secret organization after him. Sure. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I saw a lot of parallels with that, and the, just the question whether or not these people actually do have super, you know, superpowers, which is kind of the central question of yes. Glass, which uh, uh, Dr. Staples, I think it is, is, yeah. is trying to... Trying to trick them into thinking that they don't actually have powers, while at the same time trying to trick us, the audience, into it. Um, and so that that central question of whether or not uh, these people actually do have powers, or if it's just um, the high end of what a normal person could do yeah. if they're, uh, you know, just at the right moment and the right time and everything. Um, so I thought that was an interesting parallel. I, I actually kind of dug that a little bit. That's one of the yes. things I did like about the movie. Oh, I think that was the best part of the movie. Yeah, uh, to be honest. I agree. Like the, I, agree. I, I would say, honestly, one of the best scenes, and this is this ties back to my favorite stuff about Unbreakable 2, um, is that um, so much of the movie is about people who just desperately need something to believe in. Uh, and I think right, the best right. scene, the best scene in Unbreakable uh, One, is probably the uh, um, Samuel L. Jackson limping his way down the stairs, uh, trying to see if uh, Bruce Willis's powers are real or not. Um, and mm. he's like, and like you know, he's gonna fall down the stairs and break every bone in his body, but like he just so desperately needs to know, like, is. Is there something bigger out there? And likewise, I think actually the best scene in this movie was when Kevin started doubting his own powers. When the other personalities, like when Patricia was like, what if I am crazy and just really strong? Um, <laughs> and, and, and I was like, you know, I, I kind of figured that like, you know, um, Bruce Willis would maybe buy into it a little, but that like Kevin would 100% be like, no, I'm super powered. Uh, and then they did take it in that direction, and of the and I honestly might have been okay if they like pushed that angle even further, um, mm -hmm. and and like genuinely did have them convinced for a little bit, or you know, I don't know Samuel L. Jackson retroactively having superpowers when he was just like a vaguely smart dude in the first one, and now he's apparently so smart that like a secret society has to like take him down <laughs> was a bit of power creep there but i i love that he uh he he was like the master hacker coder guy like like straight out of like hackers or something from the night <laughs> oh and and knight knew that, that, that was, was, was kind of funny there's there's yeah. not a doubt in my mind <laughs> that like like he was like I, I i that's the one thing i would give him credit for where he's probably like well it's kind of unreasonable that lex luther is good at everything too huh it's like yeah but that doesn't mean it's also not shitty when it happens in a superman movie like <laughs> I hate these oh, movies man. that can just use genre and homage as a defense for when they do things bad. <laughs> this, is, this is like when we did The Predator all over again. Oh. Right, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think we're up to Chad, right? Yeah, What's Chad's Chad. next puzzle? Well, the, the, the one you brought up, Midnight Special, which uh, I didn't even think about that one. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that movie, though. But I I, mm -hmm. I, I uh, totally uh, was digging what you were saying and how that tied into it. And I thought of a couple of um, smaller, um, uh, probably even indie uh, scale uh, superhero films uh, that came out. Uh, let's see. Uh, I believe 2006 was uh, the one called Special. 
with Michael Rappaport. Um, I don't know if either mm-hmm. of y'all seen that. Um, it's no, a, a, no. a guy who who goes and he starts taking antidepressant medicine, um, and he um, either does or thinks he does have superpowers. Um, yeah. and it toys with that of, is he really just totally, I mean, in the, in this one, it, it, it doesn't really, uh, hide it that he's, you know, going off the rails crazy and oh. it, and it really kind of plays fun with, you'll see his version of what he sees and then you'll see what's oh, really going on. Okay. Uh, so, so, so yeah, but I, I definitely thought of that film and then also there's a, another one. Uh, that more so hit it, and that was this uh, Australian movie. Uh, it was uh, 2010. It came out called Griff the Invisible, um, and uh, it uh, again with it, it it really plays with it. Is I mean, is he really invisible? Does he have superpowers? Does he you mm. know do these these really yeah. cool things, or is it all in his head? And it kind of leaves it really open until like the end but um uh, both of those were ones that came to mind um of course uh on the uh bigger end uh james gunn uh his first uh i think one of his bigger uh, you know successful films of course was super and it kind of uh, so it, it doesn't go that route of him actually thinking that he has super you know powers or anything but it kind of plays with uh, the comic book world the same sort of idea though in that uh, he just wants to become one and then he just starts dressing up and being one um, but um, I mean I, I definitely thought of, of those like lower scale superhero movies the only yeah. thing is that this one totally it it, it actually you know it, it, it's weird in a way because it's kind of like those, but it's kind of a lot different because you've you've still got the 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 world as we know it exists with the comic books, so it's all referenced in that way. But these characters outside of Glass himself, I mean, they don't care that much about comic books. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, uh, the Bruce Willis's character. He, it's not like he is obsessed with uh, being a superhero and he wants to be one. So yeah, uh, right. that's, the, the, that's the, the interesting thing about this one that they didn't have to like really hit you over the head with all the comic book like things. I mean, it, definitely you've got uh, you know Samuel Jackson's character. They should have just let him be the one that does that, and they just kind oh of oh my god, you know, his mother forcing. Oh yeah, 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 was yeah. probably <laughs> my single least favorite part of the movie. She's like, oh, I do believe he talked about a thing they called what was that word? A showdown. It's like, bitch, you know what a showdown is? Like, like that's not even a comic. Not, book that's term. not a comic book that's term. Like a term. That's that's just a word when people fight. And like, and like, she said the same thing again. Like, while her son is dying, she was like, "But what about the gathering at the at the public square?" I was like, "These are this is how you're going to spend the last words talking to your dying son." Like, is going to be like, "But what about the gathering at the public square?" I believe you called it a showdown once. Yes, mother, and now I'm going to die because you wasted all this time. 
You just, you just dropped this movie a full star for me. Dude, she was, she was bringing that back up. I like, completely forgot about that. Can we talk about so the roller coaster bad. I had on, on her and the son? Which was when both of them first appeared on camera, I was like, that's so cool that they got the same kid. And then the minute he started acting, I was like, oh, this was a bad choice. And then, bad idea. And then sort of the same thing with the mother, who I believe the mother is actually like a very accomplished actor. Actress, uh, but these are the only things I've right. seen her in. Is like she had like four lines in Unbreakable, and even that, her job was like hardcore exposition about Mr. Glass's disease. Uh, and then in this one, they were like, "Well, I guess we'll just keep having her deliver exposition, and that can just be a family trait that like everyone in the Price family just can't fucking shut up about like things that are happening around them, like in very obvious terms." <laughs> Oh, oh my god. God, I forgot hilarious. about how mad she made me until <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even remember what I derailed. I apologize. <laughs> god. Well, th- th- those were those were great puzzle pieces, Chad. And, you know, I'm I'm sorry to say I haven't seen any of those three movies. No, I, I always wanted to. to see special. I, I always thought special looked great. Oh uh, yeah. But I've it, never it, seen any it, of those. It is. It is. I, I, I definitely recommend I, I, I definitely of, yeah. recommend uh Griff the Invisible. And special. Uh, is the invisible, is I really, invisible really, yeah. like, like a comedy or? Yeah, it's actually a romantic uh, comedy. It's like, uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They're both comedies. That so. Really interesting. Yeah. Oh, that sounds huh. that sounds really good. The uh, I had mentioned this. The yeah. only like indie superhero movie I know, uh, which is by a director that I keep uh, trying to force Dave to have on the show one of these days. It's straight up just. Well, what if one of the villains in a superhero movie just decided to put, like, all the characters in saw traps, basically, and took their powers away? And it's just, like, an hour and a half of superheroes freaking out. They're like, I'm used to being able to fly, and now I'm in a goddamn, like, reverse bear trap on my face type of thing. And that's, like, fun to watch for that deconstruction, but it's not a good movie. So I'd love to watch that. That's not a type of thing. No. No. (laughs) So, like, I want to watch... This is the guy who does the movie about the deadly dance dance revolution battles that I keep trying to yeah, get you to get on yeah. the show. Uh, we, we will watch it one of these days. Oh, uh, we will. We, we will. We'll get to when it. his new movie comes out, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get him on this podcast for sure. Nice. <laughs> so, Ryan, what's your next puzzle piece? Um. So, I, so I I was debating. I was trying to think of a good example of the ones you guys were talking about. Um. And and my example for that was actually the Kevin Spacey movie, Spacey movie K Pax. Where he hmm. is like uh, an alien slash angel with superpowers, and everyone like just thinks he's crazy and is sort of trying to convince him that he's crazy. Um, but I think we we've said everything we need to say about that that genre and that that trope at that point. Um, Plus, so we're not supposed to speak I... about Kevin Spacey anymore, right? That was the and other that... reason that I like. <laughs> that was the other yeah, why, reason. Why that there's we... like a, a question mark next to it? <laughs> Why don't why don't we just why don't we move on from that and move on? My next two puzzle like <laughs> exactly. puzzle piece combo was gonna be more of that, and we this way we don't have to use just Kevin Spacey. Yes. Uh, we could we could use Shutter Island and Take Shelter, mm. which Take Shelter is another Jeff Nichols movie. Um, but more movies where where we don't know whether or not the people are crazy. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We have been we have been talking about that throughout yeah. some of the other puzzle pieces, um, and of course K Pax as well. What well, sh- actually? Sh- <laughs> I've never seen it. I I doubt I will see it. Uh, I probably won't seek out that movie. Uh, Shutter Island, like though. Shutter Shutter Island is a good one, though, because of location as well. Um, yes. That was yeah. a, that was one of the disappointing things on I, I felt about this one is that we didn't get the full like 
Like, it was weird. Like, I, it was like they were in this big building, but we really didn't get to see, like, what was happening or if this was an actual, right. like, institution or if it was totally empty or, or what. But, um, I, uh, I, I, I was thinking of movies along the line that would, that had those like really cool locations like that. Um, I didn't even think of Shutter Island, but, uh, Shutter Island to me is a great film. It's one that's, uh, mm. it's a lot better than, uh, I think a lot of people give it credit for. Um, yeah. and, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. The, the, the whole aspect too of, uh, are they crazy? Or are they not? Um, that is a good tie into this one. It, it's funny you say that about uh, not getting to see more of the um, more of like the asylum and, mm-hmm. and of that setting. Uh, th- this was going to be another one of my puzzle pieces at one point, but I, I kind of decided not to use it. But I'm just going to mention it anyway. Uh, a cure for wellness. Yes. Um, okay. But but again, they they never really get there, and that's why I was going to pull it off my list. Right. Did, uh, did we because do they an never really end that? up showing. Uh, on that movie, no. Yeah. Okay. It was just uh, you and me shit talking a bunch on like Facebook. Yeah, chat. I think we just talked okay. about it a bunch. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know I know we shat on that movie a lot, but I couldn't well, remember yes, if did. it was recorded and, uh, or not. Well, and, and and that's a that's a good one because I definitely think that uh, a puzzle piece for that movie is uh, Shutter Island. So, oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's, sure, it's, absolutely. It's basically absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, kind of like Shutter Island Part Two in a way. <laughs> yeah so there's a whole bunch of that mixed into this movie but they just never really go there because they're too busy talking about comic books and and they can't ever take time to really look at how creepy that institution may have actually been right uh, there's obviously a whole bunch of other people in there a whole bunch of other crazy people who may be more superheroes and we never get to see any of them it's uh, actually they just have to stay away from the windows how little happens <laughs> despite the fact that they spent two hours explaining the things that happened. Like, the characters over the course of the movie, once they hit the asylum, they collectively travel, like, 30 yards in the rest of the film. Like, like once they hit the first act end, they don't move and nobody does anything. It's just entirely (laughs) the characters collectively setting up a third act that doesn't happen. And I get that that's (laughs) the point, right? Like, like... And, and like this is this is one thing where I do take the defender sides is like the um you, you know Samuel L. Jackson gets the microphone and he does that like really dumb speech which I actually loved where he's like you know I'm gonna let the horde out you know what are you gonna and I'm gonna blow up this building what are you gonna do about it and it's like and like at that point I think most people were rolling their eyes and being like oh my god he's literally saying what the ending of the movie is gonna be and then you realize that's all just again part of Samuel L. Jackson's like thing of of course. He he's making this big deal about a very stereotypical villain plan it's because he's not going to do it but he knows that the the evil people will assume that he's going to do it and that was like Mm -hmm. you know that trope kind of worked just specifically in that i get what he was getting at for it but like if you're not going to do that you then have to have something actually happen at the end of the movie instead you can't just (laughs) replace something with nothing you have to replace something with something else (laughs) Oh my god, he's a mastermind. He yes, do whatever, whatever, I'm just not smart enough plans. to understand it clearly. Yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> why, why, while we're 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 bringing that point up, yeah. this would be a good time for me to say this that I I realized in this 
watching this movie that M. Night cannot direct action scenes. He totally cannot. Because there are moments that should have been really cool that he totally just like, I'm like, what the hell? Now, there are moments that he, he, he did it in a very cool way. He did it like in a, a almost like Reservoir Dogs, Tarantino off camera sort of way. Um, that kind of in that, 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 like Guy Ritchie likes to do it, but he does it in a in a in a comical way where, like the scene where Samuel Jackson's just you know wills along and the uh, the beast is in the background kicking everybody's ass. I like that yeah. scene, but I don't think it was executed as well as it should have been. Um, no, but no. but uh, uh, but and that was like one of the better I feel like actual like action scenes. Um, he totally oh, yeah, cannot yeah. direct an action scene, and that was one of the. I think the, that's, the su- that's such a good point. That's such thing. a good point. I I think interestingly, I I feel like he does better when he can keep the camera still mm-hmm. and like where it's just one thing happening. Right. But as soon as the characters move a few inches to the left or to the right, it, he loses it and he doesn't do anything like anymore. Like he doesn't move with the action in any way. That's actually a thing um, that and, has and, come up in multiple reviews of like how like really? I al- I always hate the stereotypical uh, M Night Shyamalan close up thing. Um, uh-huh. But I, I I saw multiple reviews that were like this is the first time where some like in a movie an M Night movie where something starts to happen and then it will cut to a close up on someone else's face and you just have no idea what's actually happening off screen or like a fight will start and then the camera will stay with something that is not the fight and like yeah there's something to be said for not showing the violence on camera but like sometimes you just literally then don't know well what is everyone else doing in the scene and like multiple other people um have called that out so you're definitely not crazy in that regard well the one that really bothered me was when it would be like uh he he would do this with bruce willis uh, he did it a couple times where it's like he put like the camera on Bruce Willis where it's just like a close up of his face and it like the camera just stays there as he's like fighting or like when they do the jumping out oh, the window. Oh, like when the horde is on his back and stuff. Yeah, like that. it's just and like then, I hate yeah, that. I hate yeah. that camera angle. Um, so who, who the bad. fuck does it all the time? Neil Blomkamp does that camera angle all the time uh, where they put the harness on you right, so that right, your face looks right. I like anytime like they use that camera angle anytime a character like has a drug trip in a movie or something right I've, exactly I've never liked it in any film ever and that continued in this film <laughs> yeah no that, that's that's a really good point chad um so are we up to chad for the next puzzle piece or are we on brian I, yeah no, i think we're on chad uh, yeah Sorry, I keep losing track. I... Well, you did the too many ones. <laughs> Honestly, most of mine are like it's kind of like the K-Pax thing now, where it's like short references. So just if you it's guys just have all a couple... Kevin Spacey references, from <laughs> it's, it's, this is honestly no, just no. me introducing he... a soapbox. No. <laughs> so Kevin Spacey, just go he, he's got some Woody Allen to bring up too. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah don't, just like <laughs> let me just start off with one word: Polanski, and let's go from there. <laughs> All right, so, All right, so moving on to Chad next piece. <laughs> so uh, the one I, I I thought of, uh, of course, it was totally the the whole secret society thing, um, the uh, Matt Damon movie uh, Adjustment Bureau, uh, which yeah. was kind of a cool movie, kind of a not cool movie. Uh, 
it was one that I, I, I wish I liked more than I did uh, with him and Emily Blunt. And um, I, I don't even remember what the, the, the scope of, of the film was, but it was like they were being chased by this, like... Uh, you know, secret society, and it just—I I don't know—the the whole end of this film to me had that sort of vibe of that movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, it was that it was kind of cool in a way, kind of—I don't know. Um, it's <laughs> it—it's it, funny that you're—it's it, funny that you're kind of uh, almost—it sounds like you're not 100% certain of that puzzle piece. It, it, because I was almost going to bring up Hot Fuzz because of the Secret Society, but I was like, I, I don't know about Hot Fuzz is really a, a puzzle piece for this movie. But again, I was just searching for a Secret Society movie. Right, you know right, I mean? right. With like a creepy, shadowy Secret Society. Right. <laughs> I think for those ones, well, is, uh, there, there's a lot of better options if you look at like the supernatural genre. Um, cause like mm. there's lots of movies where like vampires are like basically just superheroes and stuff like that. And they do that shit all the time in like supernatural movies of like, we've been making sure nobody's noticed that werewolves are real for a thousand years or and stuff like that. Or, or even like men in black like movies. Like they I just haven't like done it. tiptoeing around Twilight right now. <laughs> oh no, God, no. Uh, was, were there secret societies in Twilight? I, I... I think, don't I think know. there was. Shockingly, I haven't. <laughs> no, actually, I have seen the first one. <laughs> oh, I even forgot about that. Well, I think that the, uh, the did Secret you, Society did... was interesting because it was kind of. Uh, am I next anyway? Right. Yeah, Maybe you're I'll... next anyway. Okay, so I just sort of thought of this, and I'll. I'll... Okay, so here we go. I finally got to think of one on the spot to talk about, um, which nice. is the Dark Knight Rises. Specifically for the fact, and and uh, I'm ashamed to admit this, but Dark Knight Rises is actually probably my favorite of the three Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which I'm aware I'm the only person in the universe who has that opinion. I, I'm, with you, there, spe- I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Oh, sorry, oh was that Chad God, or they're David? They're both on my podcast right now. <laughs> oh, thank God. Um, so, but specifically for the reason of Dark Knight Rises is largely just a beat for beat remake of. Um, of uh, Unbreak, uh, sorry, of uh, Batman Begins, but it turns everything up to eleven and says like, "Well, what if the twist was that the twist was happening to the twist?" That sentence will make sense in a minute, I promise. Which is, <laughs> Glass kind of did the same thing, where it took all the same things that happened in Unbreakable, even though I do think it was more of a split sequel than an Unbreakable sequel. Every time it tied Unbreakable into something, it would do the exact same thing it did from Unbreakable, but take it to the next level. Like, Hmm. in Unbreakable, you discover that Samuel L. Jackson has secretly been manipulating things the entire time. And you discover that by he deliberately takes his glove off and he shakes Bruce Willis's hand and he goes like, hey, I need to fill you in on the bigger picture here. You know, just so you know, I'm actually the bad guy. And then they do the exact same goddamn thing at the end of this one, except a million times worse, where, like, they try... I get what they're trying to go for of, like, she takes her glove off and she's like, you need to know... And for Samuel L. Jackson, when he did it, it was kind of gloating, and when she did it, it was kind of an apology, but it was the same action, and then it fills you in on, again, like, at this point... David Dunn knows, oh, he's, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is the mastermind behind all this. And then she puts her hand out and it's like, haha, there was a group of secret masterminds who were behind 
like working against the other mastermind or so on and so forth. And it very much kind of did remind me of like the League of Shadows, Dark Knight Rises kind of thing of, oh, we're fighting that same kind of group of bad guys that like Ra's al Ghul was in Batman Begins, except now there's a whole secret society that's like kind of working against people from time to time. And we're just going to take it all to 11 and steal the exact same things we did in Batman Begins, but do them worse. And Glass did a lot of things that Unbreakable did. <laughs> But worse, and turned up to I think eleven. That, I think that's a really that's a really great observation because you're right. It, it they, they were like almost remakes of the the first one of their trilogy, and just making it crazier. Oh, like, it's very it much like if you if you watch Star Wars: Return of the Sith. That's the third one, right? That's the that's that's the one that ends with Anakin Revenge. and Obi Wan fighting each other. Okay, cool. So there's like a lot of stuff in that movie that is actually much more clever than it seems, and is all like throwbacks to the first one. Um, where like in if in a vacuum, those are like very cool throwbacks, and I feel like it's the same kind of way of like the idea of again a villain removes their glove and deliberately says, like, David Dunn, use your superpower so you can know that you were right all along. Like, thematically, that's very powerful, but the end result is Bruce Willis fucking chugging a street puddle while a girl goes, did I convince... <laughs> oh my god, that was so bad. She was like, did I almost trick you? Did I almost have you believe? It's like, bitch, he's dying. Like, what is it with people in this parking lot, like, not... Like, like they're all just talking about stupid things to people who are dying. Like, like her last words are like, haha, did I fool you? It's like almost like M. Night had to be like, hey, audience, did I get you? Huh? You know, huh? I, I, I never I never thought about this until just this moment, but they're all in the same parking lot and none of them are interacting with one another. Oh, no, it's, it's like... like <laughs> two characters are doing this over here, two characters mm -hmm. are doing this over there, two mm -hmm. characters are doing this, and none of them are attacking each oh, other. Oh, it's right? just like the ending of Spider-Man 3, where, like, there's, like, four people dying, and Spider-Man, like, pops over to one person for a minute, and, like, spends way too long talking to, like, the Sandman, and then he's like, oh, shit, wait, my best friend was dying one floor down. Let me go talk to him real quick. And then he talks to him for a while, and then he was like, oh, shit, that guy who was like me in a black suit is also dying. Well, fuck him. And then he moves on and doesn't talk to them. But yeah, like, it was, I think that was sort of supposed to be a metaphor in some way. Um, the whole, like, they're all right next to each other, but they don't interact at all. But again, it just didn't stick the landing. <laughs> None of this would be stuff to Well, and, and here's the oh. funny thing, because you, you both had said that y'all felt this was more of Split 2 than it was, like, Unbreakable 2. But me, sure. I felt like it was too much Unbreakable. That was one of my complaints. And, and that's exactly what you're talking about, you know, of how this is kind of like a remake of Unbreakable in many ways, or at least it is in the fact that... Um, you know, like I had said before about how Unbreakable is a first act movie yes. and you're getting to like, okay, now the movie's starting once the movie's actually ending. And that's kind of like yes. what this one did as well. Uh, so for me, it, this one was too too much Unbreakable or too much trying to, I guess, recapture what he did with Unbreakable as opposed to, like I said, with, with, with Split, it was like, you know weird creepy world and you're not, and it doesn't didn't have to fit anywhere and then yes. it fits it in at the end and so i think maybe this one that maybe that's the big problem is that there's almost like a 
you know, an identity crisis with the film itself. Yeah. Of uh, no, I, I think you're totally right. I, I think thematically and tonally, it's much more unbreakable than Split. I think the reason I still walked away thinking it was more of a Split sequel was it still felt to me. And I don't think this this necessarily worked. Was I think what he was trying to go for was Unbreakable tells the story of Bruce Willis, Split tells the story of James McAvoy, and Glass tells the story of Samuel L. Jackson. But I still feel like the story that we watched was still very much the story of James McAvoy's character. Yeah, yeah. Like that's exactly what I was gonna say. Is is I've kind like, of come a lo- come around to what you're saying, Chad. But I, I I still feel like this movie is majority Mcavoy. Right. And that that's why I felt like it was more of a split sequel. Um but you, yeah, you're it's right. It's more of a Kevin Wendell Crumb sequel than it is a split sequel, I think would be a pretty good way to put <laughs> right. it. Right. Like... Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <sighs> but uh yeah, no, you're absolutely right though. It, it, after after I initially said that it's just straight up a split sequel, I, I did start to think about the fact that yeah, I mean there really is a lot of unbreakable in in the story in the in the themes um it's just on screen i mean we barely get any glass until like the last 30 minutes and david dunn really he could practically not even be in the movie no he's practically he's like the thanos for this movie almost of like right like we're not like like he just happens to be there like and is like i'm just gonna come in and fuck things up occasionally and also we're gonna talk about him a lot like Oh. <laughs> well, here's here's the funny part though. I I feel like this was actually Bruce Willis at his best. Like I can't remember. I mean, maybe Unbreakable, but uh, seriously, as far as because he was so low key, and I think that he could have been, you know, uh, really amped up. And I mean, uh, pretty much yeah. that's what we get in most Bruce Willis movies these days. Is uh, yeah, right, you know. Right. Uh, amped up Bruce Willis so I, I appreciated it, all the performances actually um, I, yeah. I, I do uh, think that um, even though like you're saying I get what you're saying that it, it wasn't really David Dunn's movie he was just kind of sure. there but uh, I, I, I really uh, did like the parts that uh, his character was in yeah, I think I wanted to see like like I, I think I was never I've never a huge fan of like subdued subdued Bruce Willis anyway, which is fine. I think it's just that feeds into like what I don't like about the type of performance that M Night coaches out of his actors. Uh, but he's definitely nailing what he's trying to do. I think I and and I feel like this is going to be a lot like when people with Last Jedi is like, oh well, Luke should have been like a crazy awesome hero. I wanted to see like a broken David Dunn. Like I wanted to see him like battered and defeated and like questioning himself the same way that like Samuel L. Jackson had been questioning himself and questioning Bruce Willis the entire time. And instead we just kind of, and, and I think this was still, you know, deliberately what, what uh, M. Night Shyamalan was doing. Like David Dunn was basically just a guy who's trying to do a job. Like he just shrugs. He's like, you got a crazy guy there. I, I got to stop him. It's that simple. Like, it doesn't need a lot of um, amped upness, like what you were saying. Right, But right. I really just wanted to see, like, a devastated Bruce Willis, like, who had... And then I guess, I don't know, I guess in my ideal version, then he would have, like, overcome that to stop Glass or something. I don't know. Um, mm. You want, you I, wanted The Dark Knight Rises, too? <laughs> I, I wanted him... 
to remake Avatar The Last Airbender, and it was just good. Uh, and he calls I, it I like that movie. I like that movie. You know, no, so I actually, I saw that movie at a midnight screening. I had never seen the cartoon, but, like, all my friends were super into it, and I, I, was, I must have been, like, a freshman in high school. Um, and that was, like, the first time I got to see how tangible a nerd's response can be to something they don't like. Like, since then, I've seen people, like cry at like video games being bad but i'd never seen any of that then and i just like there were people like sobbing at the midnight screen <laughs> and i was like i didn't think it was great but i didn't like i thought it was like a pretty straightforward bad movie but apparently like if you like the source material it just like stabs it repeatedly in the heart Aww. so i have a very weird relationship with that film but i do know that that's like the one that if you had to apologize for i imagine that's what people would force them to apologize for so so in moving forward uh another serious question are we going to call this m night rises is, is that going to be a good name for a class Ooh. <laughs> i think i think it's i think it's good well because like because dave you, dave did not like the visit which i really liked. Oh, so I, lo- like oh i love the visit it's it's good so yeah. like i've i've been on the like oh man stella's getting her groove back train with m night Shyamalan for about like two movies now uh whereas with dave i think this is kind of just like in your mind you could have written off uh split as like a like a blip in the radar of like oh he happened to make something good accidentally um, right right ac- ac- whereas like for me there's been like a bit of an upward trajectory and it sounds like chad too as well so no 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 so you like i, you like I think he only made one bad split? movie lady in the water that was his blip it was a bad blip. Otherwise, I, I've liked all the movies. Did you like you liked After Earth? Oh Park? yeah, After Earth is good. Oh, too. we'll talk. Okay, interesting. I never did see After Earth. I, I, I want to see. It. I feel like I might like it in like. Sorry to say, Chad, but in like a so bad it's good way. Sure. Um, but but I mean, I don't know that I would like it in a good way. But maybe I'd be surprised. Maybe I actually would like it, like you do. I have I heard the happening is a lot better if you watch it as an homage to like B movies and like seventies grindhouse disaster type films. Uh, so I actually really do want to rewatch the happening specifically through that lens to see if it affects. Um, the happening you know, has some great scenes. Oh yes, yes. 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 it's got overall awesome not good movie. Yeah. It's yeah, got some off. really great scenes. Yeah, I no, I, I'm I'm usually because because I already know there's so much I don't like about M Night. I think I give him a lot more credit because I just chalk things up as like, oh, I I I don't know. Like people turned on him around the village, I guess. And I was like, you know, mm. the things I don't like about the village are also the same things I didn't like about Six Sense. So like, <laughs> who am I to say? I like the village. I I think it was from Lady in the Water on that I stopped liking him. But uh, I, I'm going to go with my, my last puzzle piece okay. here. Um, oh, puzzle pieces. I, I That's kinda, right. Yeah, I know. What, what are those, right? <laughs> um, I, I kind of folded some. I had one or two others, but I folded them into some of the others. So uh, my last puzzle piece, I was almost going to go with Avengers Infinity War, but I, I didn't want to do a comic book movie, so I switched it up. Um, and I instead went with Fight Club for mm. a movie where the bad guy has has an idea that there is some merit to, uh, but he's just going about it in just a, a wrong way filled with violence and chaos and destruction. Um, so, real, and, real quick, uh, uh, Dave, in, in your mind, is Tyler Durden Samuel L. Jackson or is Tyler Durden Sarah Paulson? 
Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, in cool. my in, just, just make sure in my looking at it. Sure. Yeah, because actually, I, you're right. I, it could could have gone either way, but yeah, absolutely. I was looking at it from the Samuel L. Jackson point of view yeah. of trying to expose uh, expose everybody's. Uh, potential superpowers yeah. and, and making people believe in themselves, and uh, but you know he, he's still a criminal mastermind and doing yeah. evil things, and uh, you know that could be said about Unbreakable as well, but uh, you know certainly for Glass too. That's like a very common trope in the comics, the like I'm doing a bad thing specifically to awaken more heroes kind of thing, but you don't actually see mm-hmm. it in films very often. Um, and right, I, I'm, right. I'm sort of still waiting for like the first Marvel film that uses that as a plot line. I guess like there was a little bit of in uh, Amazing Spider-Man one where like the lizard was like, I'm going to turn everyone else into lizard people and then we'll all be super and can regenerate. But like for the most part, they haven't really done the like, I'm just trying to help everyone reach the next step or whatever thing. Well, Bes- I think that was like, Thanos' whole thing, right? I mean, he thought he was trying to help the universe. Oh, specifically, right? I'm talking about like awakening things in people. Like the, oh, oh, wait a minute. No, that's things. entirely the plot yeah. of the first Brian Singer X-Men movie. Another person we shouldn't talk about. Uh, is <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I very much thought of the X-Men films and I wasn't going to bring it up. So <laughs> Yeah, no, that's like entirely the whole point of the first one is he's got a machine that's going to turn everyone else into superheroes. Right. So yeah. never mind. Like the reason no one's done it again is because like X-Men had been like the first decent superhero movie in a while. So no one like wanted to touch the plot <laughs> after that. <laughs> so Chad, what's your next puzzle piece? Well, um, I... <sighs> I, I I kind of uh, we we touched on the location, and so um, this one came to me, and then actually I was doing some reading, and I saw that M Knight was uh, he cited this one as an influence, but I think he uh, sees it as a bigger influence than I saw it as, um, and that's one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, and if you uh. read if you read uh, what he says about it, I mean he basically says how like this movie thematically is one flew over the cuckoo's nest i i didn't catch that but i was just thinking in in terms of location like we were uh, talking about earlier um and it, it and it's not really explored that much uh the other one that i i had thought of too in regards to location though was uh session nine which is uh, a great of yes. uh, you know indie horror movie uh, if, if you if you hadn't seen Session Nine, definitely you see that one. But uh, it yeah. also has to do with you know mental illness and how uh, I I think the location of uh, asylum how that can affect you personally. And I think that kind of gets into how you know uh, David Dunn's you know he's being told the to question himself and he's locked up and it's just like I think that kind of goes into that whole thing though of if you you know lock somebody in a room and you tell them something they're going to kind of start to believe whatever it is you're telling them um yeah and so right. um uh, you know i again location and then also just the whole you know uh uh you know mental side of that uh but yeah, yeah. one floor of the cuckoo's nest um I more so felt that uh, it's just one that pops up into my head anytime there's an asylum in any way. Like, even Halloween, I thought (laughs) of it. But then I read that, and I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) So, evidently, it's one of M. Night's favorite movies. I read that, too. 
I read that too, and then I started trying to think of it. And granted, I haven't seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in in decades, but I really couldn't connect it. Right, right, exactly. Outside of location, that's why I was like, I, I was like, <laughs> not gonna be like, oh. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. I, I, I like both of those as uh, examples because of that setting and everything. Um, does anybody else have any other puzzle pieces? I'm out. Yeah, I got. I got. I'll just kind of rapid fire a few of the other things that I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, okay. So uh, Chronicle, uh, in terms of other like indie-ish superhero movies, um, I, mm-hmm. I I kind of don't like when films cut to security camera footage for no reason uh especially (laughs) so like for a movie like like chronicle i thought that was fine and at first i was like really questioning it with the uh with unbreakable how it would cut to the security sorry with glass how it would cut to the security cameras for the fights and then it sort of tied into the to the whole oh well it's, it's showing you the shots that the the general public will see later um, right. when he emails it around. Um, and, you know, Chronicle was very much, just as much as it was a superhero movie, it was a commentary on, like, people having devices all the time and how nothing is secret anymore. The same way, drum roll, that Cloverfield is kind of a um, a commentary on the same thing, but set against um, a kaiju film instead of set against a superhero film. Um, okay. So, you know, uh, there's, there's the one, one of the best scenes in Chronicle where he, like, gets all these people are looking at him and he's he's at like the tower or something i forget what city that takes place in um and he like pulls up every person's camera and cell phone and like puts them in an orbit around him or something like that and he had just gone on his whole like apex predator rant and that is a villain who is all about like who started kind of as the good guy and gets these powers and is like sort of a victim of circumstance, sort of a mastermind, sort of a relatable anti-hero, like all these different things. And then he's just like, I'm going to fucking show the world everything. Um, so I got very strong vibes about that, especially for the last third um, mm-hmm. of Glass. Um, I kind of wanted to name drop, uh, and I think this ties into when Chad was saying how it felt more like an unbreakable uh, sequel. Uh, my my go to example for tonally different sequels, which is Alien to Aliens, had to had to cite that just for the going from Split, which was you know like a psychological thrill thriller horror movie, to a movie about people talking in a room while wearing straitjackets. Totally different <laughs> theming and genre. Um, and then finally. I, I know leading up to this, uh, one final plug for our podcast discussion group is we had a good chat about um, about sequels that come out like 15 years later. And like uh, w- repeatedly we talked about like how it pulls the characters together again and stuff like that. And um, Unbreakable to me did, Glass to me did not feel like a sequel, like a, like a good one of those sequels that pulls the characters together. It much more to me felt like, um, this is more a thing in England, but after a sitcom is cancelled, a couple years later, they'll do like a Christmas special episode 
where through like, oh, like, just what are these characters up to nowadays? And I sort of felt like the first half of this movie was just like we were seeing that. Like, for every person we've ever seen in this trilogy, it's just like, oh, so what are they up to nowadays? Like, and then, like, slowly people would kind of get pulled into the, um into the main action, but, like, in a very unorganic type of way. Like, for some reason, she just decided to keep, like, visiting her kidnapper in prison, like, every 20 minutes and also hug him and stuff, which, like, if that didn't give away that that woman does not have a medical license, I don't know what would. Like, um, but, so, I don't know. Like, the entire time, I just felt like I was watching... Uh, oh, the whole cast got together back for, like, let's see where these characters are at. Like, it didn't feel like it was finishing the story. It felt like it was the characters were getting back together again, and they happened to finish the story while they were doing it. And I think, to me, that's a big crux of what I didn't like about it, um, was it didn't feel like it set out to finish the story. I also can't imagine that anyone would have enjoyed this movie if they haven't seen the first two like i don't i don't think this movie actually had a story or a plot like of its that's, own that's a good point. like yeah. like and i think i think i'm biased but like again like to me it felt like i was seeing just a bunch of like end caps on these two characters relationships these two characters relationships these two characters relationships and i wasn't seeing a film that weaved these characters together and i think again that ties into the the everyone dying in the parking lot 10 feet from each other like (laughs) right like we're seeing the story of sarah paulson and the secret society we're seeing the fight of david dunn and and like like almost at no point do three parties ever interact like, even during the Samuel L. Jackson sort of interrupts the fight when the kid reveals that Samuel L. Jackson is the big bad guy that caused the accident. Um, like, even that, it kept switching between pair-offs. Like, Kevin yeah. turned around and faced Samuel L. Jackson. And then they had an argument. And at one point, literally, fucking Bruce Willis like puts his hand on his shoulder and is like, Hey, man... We were, like, in the middle of a fight, and the horde goes, oh, yeah, good point. Sucker punches Samuel L. Jackson in the (laughs) chest, and then turns around and goes back to his main fight. Like, there's no... It doesn't weave anything together. It's, like, four braids that are hanging next to each other. Um, And that's the vibe I get from those sitcoms, where, like, a lot of times they won't even necessarily have those characters interact. They will just show... Oh, and also these two actors, and usually the reason is because they can't get all the actors free at the same time or something, but instead it was just, apparently M. Night was like, not positive that if three people were on screen at once that the universe wouldn't just fucking implode or something. So <laughs> he doesn't um, know how to fit him in a frame. Unfortunately. Yes. Yes. It's, uh, um, <laughs> it's like all, all, all of them were big enough stars that their contracts speculated. Like they're like, I will be on camera with McAvoy at the same time, but I will not be on camera with McAvoy and Jackson at the same time, unless they're all in handcuffs. Like the, I think like, honestly, the one scene where they're being interrogated may literally be the and even then it's very much they take turns talking to sarah paulson well There's not only that them samuel jackson his character like isn't even there you know? oh yeah he was like, he was he was comatose by that yeah, point yeah. yeah so all right so i guess that is a little unfair that yeah for half the movie samuel L. jackson couldn't have interacted with anyone else but even that it just it always felt like it was 
here's these two, here's these two, and they just, like, it all, uh, you know what, uh, I do think Avengers Affinity War would have actually been a good example for that reason, of here's Thanos dealing with these guys, now Thanos deals with these guys, now Thanos deals, right, like, there was, besides the final fight in Infinity War, like, there was very little of, like, the Avengers doing anything unless it was two people meeting for the first time and having, like, a shitty one-liner off against each other. Um, right, right. So fuck it. I am putting Infinity War as my puzzle piece since you've yeah. been done. Talked myself into list. it over the course of talking about shitty Christmas specials. <laughs> Chad, <laughs> how how many dozen more puzzle pieces do you have for us? Well, I, I, I was just I was gonna just throw out because uh, just how you were talking about how the movies kind of like patched together and how it's not its own story. Um, yeah. Really, in, in a way that's kind of, and, and this is perfect because it's Sarah Paulson. It kind of feels like American Horror Story. How right? uh, American Horror Story? I was, think, I was thinking that too. <laughs> ties together, I you know. Everyone. Uh, everything to everything, and so yeah. I mean, really, um, it, it has a total American Horror Story vibe. Uh, you know, specifically since she's there and she's like the, you know, the the. The main she, she driving force in this one that brings them together. Um, so um, plus all the big reveals are super on the nose, <laughs> right? Just like, uh, just right, like right. <laughs> um, well, uh, as far as it, uh, that was just one that came to mind. But uh, I actually had Man on Fire as a puzzle piece. Um, okay. a, a couple of reasons, I guess. Maybe uh, you know uh, you've. In that one, you've got Denzel, you know, basically playing a superhero. I mean, he's a total badass. I think he's even like a bigger badass than he is in uh, Equalizer. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it also, you know, ends on such a downer of a note where it's like it's it, even you don't want. I don't know. In, in, in many ways, it's like he he he. He did the right thing, but he did horrible things, and he's kind of not really a good guy. But at the same time, it's such a downer that you know uh, the ending of that film, and it's 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 kind of to me that that movie. Uh, I it's an it's it's got big big flaws, uh, Man on Fire. But I still <laughs> there's something about it that pulls me back to that movie, and I I like that movie, even though there are things I hate about that movie. Um, but uh, mm. This one very much, again, uh, I think the way that this one tried to be uh, like a realistic kind of uh, superhero movie, I've always kind of seen Man on Fire as like a a sort of uh, superhero movie. Um, and then also the fact that they, they both had that downer ending. Um, so um, the other one I was thinking of uh, was actually the butterfly effect. And the reason yes. there is because, you know, that one is, um, it's one where, like, it creates this world where it's, like, totally shouldn't be believable at all. And it's a sci-fi movie, but it's not at all done like a science fiction movie. But it is yeah. 100%. Um, and you totally just buy into it. Now, that's the thing is that I, what I liked about these three characters is that we actually do, or at least I did, buy into the characters and buy in what they're able to do and don't even yeah. really think of it as a superhero movie, even though it's 
telling you every five minutes that it's you know has to do with comic books um and and so i think if it had dropped all of that comic book talk and been more just straightforward in 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 giving us the story um it could have been you know more like butterfly effect which is a movie that i really really love and again it's it doesn't have to tell you oh my god this is a science fiction movie and it's about time travel and i mean it's just it doesn't have to hit you over the head with those those really silly things so um i don't know both of those uh just came came to mind to me that I, I think they're both uh, superior to this movie, but <laughs> at the same yeah. time, I definitely see some uh, similarities there. I think you just kind of you you made me realize something else about that was sort of bothering me was Unbreakable. <laughs> regardless of if it was a comic book movie or a, ser- a, a superhero movie, it was a movie about comic books, which a lot of you know comic book movies, quote unquote. Uh, are not actually about the medium of comic books, right? They're about mm-hmm. stories that are told in comic books. And Unbreakable was largely a story about comic books, about people, right? Like, the characters were all people. They weren't right. heroes at that point. So it was... Right. Whereas uh, Glass is a movie about comic books starring superheroes as well. And some of it gets lost when you're trying to like do the analysis of the material and suddenly all the characters are no longer outsiders looking in now all the like characters are sort of part of the world that it's deconstructing and it like lets you get a different take on it but i think that different take also contributed to why it left kind of a bad taste in my mouth um and i sort of think it'd be the same thing with like there are other butterfly effect movies where like the people like know how their powers work and like game the system a little more and as soon as you've like got these people who are like actively aware of the system they're in Mm -hmm. um it it starts to lose uh Mm. some of that oomph um unless it's like specifically taking like the meta deconstructionist route which really only works for like once otherwise you get scream three so (laughs) i gotta say uh i was not expecting a big uh butterfly effect conversation on this episode but i think it works oh man no uh i was gonna say you want to talk about downer endings let's talk about the original ending for butterfly (laughs) right time and miscarries himself right that's that's a a mind fuck of an ending (laughs) if you ever want to see i know people who that's the only ending they've ever seen for it and, like, that's cool, because, like, that's a pretty good ending, but I can't imagine how, like, bummed I would have been if that was the only way I knew about that movie ending. <laughs> like, if I only knew, oh, the movie ends with the dude going back in time and strangling himself with his own umbilical cord, I'd be like, that's, that's a fucking movie right there. <laughs> oh, man, is this, are we going to do our Piecing It Together spinoff, where Chad and I just talk about Butterfly Effect every week? Because <laughs> that sounds amazing. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> Everything's a butterfly well, effect. Well, here, here's the funny thing, though. Speaking of butterfly effect, again, and uh, you know, the that was uh, the only way I saw that ending. I haven't seen it uh, like cut the movie cut that way. I just seen that mm. as a special feature, as an extra yes, scene. Same. Um, well, and that's the thing with this movie, Glass. He recycled cut scenes from Unbreakable. And um, I was kind of, I kind of liked that, but I kind of didn't because the scene with Glass as a, as a young boy and he rides the tilt world. Yeah. Was that in the original? 
No, that was a cut scene. Oh, beautiful okay, okay, heart. So he, yeah, so he yeah. It's, it back it, in the day. Okay. it's such a good heartbreaking scene, and it's so much longer than what we get in the film. So I, I, I like that he included it, but at the same time, because I always said, why wasn't that in the movie? Because it's so good. Oh, it's um, so visceral. Oh my it, God. But the version in the film is like a letdown to like okay. that original scene. Um, but I but I think I it's cool. I, I but I, I was kind of disappointed. Oh. Those scenes already have my heart racing. Like I, I don't think I could have dealt with like six more minutes of him <laughs> like slowly the teddy bears like slipping. Right? right. Like I I can barely make it to the end of Samuel L. Jackson limping down the stairs, going, "I just want to talk to you." And as I've said, that's like my favorite scene in the movie. So I can't imagine you guys are just... it happening to a child. <laughs> for six minutes you guys are describing m night Shyamalan, the master filmmaker that that's who shot that scene yes you, you got to remember that yes yes <laughs> the, the 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 next spielberg as i think time magazine called him or, or yeah back <laughs> yeah, in sure okay 99 um, or something yeah <laughs> so uh before do you have any last ones before i do the finished puzzle i think we're all done right you think we're good all right, because we got a we got a big finished puzzle, and then we'll do any of our uh, closing notes here. So, finished puzzle for Glass. Okay, and I wrote down every movie we talked about, so it's a lot. <laughs> of um, the La- the Last Jedi, Batman v Superman, Scream Three, Kevin Smith movies including Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and Jay and Silent, Bo- Silent Bob Strike Back, Eastern Promises, Watchmen, Midnight Special, Special, Griff the Invisible, Super. K-Pax, Shutter Island, Take Shelter, A Cure for Wellness, The Adjustment Bureau, Hot Fuzz, The Dark Knight Rises, Fight Club, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Session 9, Chronicle, Cloverfield, Aliens, Avengers Infinity War, American Horror Story, Man on Fire, and of course, The Butterfly Effect. That's our finished puzzle for Glass. Uh, so here, here's, here's my question. Sense, yeah. So is was this movie a Cloverfield Oh yeah, no, hundred well, okay. percent. Did you not notice the fucking okay. clovers on everyone's hand? Like... <laughs> there you go. I was going to bring it up. I have it written down here. Oh, I, I was. Waiting. Those clovers. Do, do do Does that mean that this is in fact a Cloverfield? Yeah, no, hundred percent. They're the secret society that yeah. has been hiding knowledge of the monster as well. Because yeah. All right, now now bear with me. They did talk about in one of the Cloverfield ARGs that there was this like magic seaweed in the bottom of the ocean that they were drilling up and they um sometimes it was implied that if you ate the seaweed you would turn into a monster so one could argue that that is basically also a form of superheroism if you turn into the cloverfield monster as your power and to core was trying to stop those people so it seems pretty logical to me that if they were already going to codename the monster clover uh, that that you know would be one of the superheroes they would take care of, and you know uh, we don't need to talk about Cloverfield paradox and how that fits into things. Cause, no, no uh, let's not let's not bring that. Yeah. Up at all. So and then and then nothing to do with Ten Cloverfield Lane, of course. But Ten Cloverfield Lane is already yeah. less a Cloverfield than most things are a Cloverfield. Uh, but yeah, this movie is 100 percent Cloverfield, without a doubt in yeah, my this mind. This is definitely a Cloverfield, 100. No, percent I yeah. agree. I agree 100. percent It is Cloverfield three. Yeah, it is the new Cloverfield three. <laughs> I, I would take it over the paradox. So. Oh, 100%. Um, any other uh, any other closing thoughts, you guys, about uh, Glass before we wrap this thing up? 
I would I would say I actually like it. I mean, I, I've talked bad about it, but I did like it. I don't like it as much as Unbreakable or Split, um, but I did enjoy Glass. Um, I think it's just a a smaller, weaker Batman v Superman. That's not a bad thing, though. Um, sure. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's... I think uh, complaints, though, that people have had about M. Night going back to, I mean, going back to the village and then also Last Airbender. I think I saw a lot of those things that people always say. They say he does weird things as a director. I did find some odd directing choices in this movie. And um, I did find the, the dialogue very clunky. That's one of the other complaints. So I think... This is the first time that I've, like, outside of Lady in the Water, that I've kind of noticed some of the complaints people always say, and they got to me. So, um, but I yeah. still enjoyed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I enjoyed it too. Um, I, you know, I there's so much I could pick apart, but when it comes down to it, I was certainly entertained the whole time. And uh, there, there are much worse ways that uh, after waiting 20 years for Unbreakable, that it could have. Uh, you know, ended up it could have it could have been so much worse, and I, I think it it's fine. It's perfectly fine. That's basically my review of the movie. <laughs> you sound you sound like I I just see that that just to me sounds like your dad like at a restaurant he gets something that he didn't order, and uh you know it's a it's a chicken sandwich instead of a burger. And he didn't want to it's, send it back. And he's okay. like, this is just fine. It, this is fine. It's a decent sandwich. I, th- I think that that's arguably the biggest insult that Dave and I use on this podcast is when we go, it was fine. Like, like I've probably fine. said that. Like, we said that a lot during our Bad Times at the El Royale episode. Like, so many times. We just went, yeah, it was fine in regards to that and yeah. the other movies we reviewed. Um, so that has slowly actually picked up like way more of a negative connotation for me on this podcast <laughs> in, specifically. Inter- interestingly, I think I like Glass more than Bad Times at the El Royale. So uh, take that for the rest of the critics out there who <laughs> hated Glass so much. Um, <laughs> you know, wh- one other uh, thought that I had written down, um, I thought a much better ending would have been when they were sitting there in the uh, train station or whatever it was, or an airport or whatever, and they were like, how long has it been since we uploaded the video? And nobody's noticed yet? And they are like, it's been two hours? And if just nobody noticed the video. Like, <laughs> no one Yeah, nobody cares. Everybody just thinks it's, you know, just some fucking dumb video on YouTube, you know? And nobody cares. Um, I thought that would have been a kind of viral fun, marketing for the ending. next Cloverfield. Yeah, yeah, which is what it is, as we now know. Well, here, here, here's the thing: is that everybody would just think it was fake anyway. It's not like yeah, anybody yeah. would actually exactly. think it was real. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think M Night Shyamalan, uh, in, in a million years, would do that. But at the same time, I thought that, like, I was ready to laugh. I was ready to crack up as the screen went cut to black and said, "Directed by M Night Shyamalan." Like, but then of course everybody started seeing the video. You know what? Like, oh though? my god! You Th- know? This was very much a movie driven by apathy, um, like in all regards. Like, like Unbreakable, you know, and that was a core difference. Is Unbreakable is still very much about rising to the challenge and. Um, and Glass is kind of a movie about ambivalence towards the challenge. 
Like, the whole movie is driven very much just by, like, things are happening. So I wouldn't have actually been that surprised if just no one cared. And that was, like, sort of the moral of the story is that, like, humans are... Because Sarah Paulson's whole thing is uh, humans are better than superheroes. We don't need superheroes because once you see that people can be super, you may become super yourself because you start questioning the status quo. Um, so it could sure. have been, like, very deep in its own way of, like, and nothing changed. Like so, I wouldn't have been that surprised if they went with an ending like that. I'd have liked it. I was waiting for the the post credit <laughs> scene to show something else crazy. I think that was there one. I, there I actually had to pee and I ran right out. There was no. no... Okay. I actually straight up wasn't gonna see Split until someone spoiled the reveal for me, and I was like, I have to go see Split in theaters now. And like oh. a half hour later, I bought a ticket and was in the theater, and I was so glad I. Ended I up lost my mind in the it, theater. I, I stood up and applauded, and I didn't even. I was like the Split only person much, who knew. Stood up Any, anybody who spoils the ending of an M Night movie is. I mean, they should be shot. Oh, I mean, really. I look. I, I mean, looked it up specifically. Oh yeah, punishable I, by death. I sure. I spoil everything for myself. I don't. I don't get a ton of like enjoyment out of reveals anyway. So I very specifically had been like, I wonder how Split ends, and like actively looked into it. It wasn't like accidental that I found that out. Oh, um, okay. Which is good because so otherwise I never would have found scenario. out, and I wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> God. Who who purposely <laughs> looks for like. Oh, I'm I'm never gonna see Saul. Oh wait, it, that's what happens. I'm going to see it. No, now. no, honestly, you're joking. <laughs> I'm going to see it now. You're, no, you're joking. But like, so a running joke is that I always Wikipedia things because I care much more about big picture story a lot of times. So like, reading a synopsis of something will a lot of times get me a lot of what I wanted out of it anyway. So then when I see something like that, then I want to go. Oh, I want to see how this plays out in execution, even if I know it's a bad movie with like a cool twist or a cool bit. So I have a hundred percent done that with movies before. I'm trying to think if I've done that with Saw movies specifically because I may have. Um, not the ideal the viewing experience for on most this people. <laughs> <laughs> well uh you know what Let, let's let's wrap it up i think yeah. we're uh, uh we're well okay. over the hour and a half mark uh i want to still ask you guys if you have any uh you know plugs or recommendations as we're starting to do now on the show so i'll start with you chad any plug or recommendation um i would say as far as a plug uh i'm a big fan of uh, uh anya taylor joy i was disappointed she wasn't in this movie more um, I would say um, Morgan. Um, if people haven't seen that movie, they should check it out. Uh, she plays uh, like a hybrid, like cyborg, like created person, basically. And she's oh, like, she, uh, she, that's her. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, it's a. I really, really liked it. Uh, I'm a huge fan of her. I I was disappointed she wasn't in this movie more. Uh, that's my only thing is that uh, if they do do a, a sequel, which uh, M. Night forces he and he's not going to, he doesn't want to do another well, he doesn't. film here, but uh, I think her is a badass. Uh, that's what I want to see. Um, and as far as plugs, I was going to say uh, everybody listening to this podcast, they need to go to Facebook and like the official M. Night Day uh, a Facebook page um, <laughs> made the sixth since be with you, which is May six is uh, oh, M yeah. Night Day, so uh, they have to go uh, like that page. Um, it's a great page. Uh, I don't know the point of it, but I'm the founder of it, so um, yeah. 
Everybody go do that. It's amazing. <laughs> All right, Ryan, plugs or... Uh, or uh, so not, not to be outdone, I will plug my own M. Night Shyamalan Facebook page. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is like, true. Seriously, what am I doing? Here? Hold on. Okay, so when I saw Avatar The Last Airbender in theaters, again, I knew nothing about the movie, but I very distinctly remembered... At the end of the movie, uh, you know, Avatar is, like, going off fucking shop against the main, like, fire bad guys or whatever. And one of, like, the head fire bad guys runs away. And there's just a scene where he's escaping on a bridge. And out of nowhere, four water dudes show up and summon, like, four goddamn, like, water dragons that just destroy this guy. Like, demolish him. And it's significantly more powerful than any of the magic anyone has done throughout the entire film otherwise. And it's just four unnamed dudes. So I created the Facebook page dedicated to liking those four guys from the end of Avatar. And I think I deleted the page literally two weeks ago. And I'm so regretting it now. But I will look. And I, I believe it's literally called those four cool hooded guys from the end of Avatar. <laughs> And there's just a picture of, because they like, again, it's like supposed to be the most like powerful fire guy in the world. And these unnamed dudes just drown him in midair with water dragons. And it's so much cooler than anything else that happened in the entire movie. And I created oh that page the day after the movie came out. Because uh, I saw it at the midnight screening. And then it just turned into like a shitposting Facebook group for me and like my like ninth grade friends <laughs> for a little bit. So I'm going to... Uh, I'll share that to the thing that I will actually plug, which is, again, you should definitely join the Piecing It Together podcast uh, movie discussion group. We have a lot of great discussions uh, about the movies, and we get to talk about things that we don't get to talk about in the podcast. Uh, so uh, I, I will be sharing a link to the incredibly important M. Night Shyamalan page there, and I, I assume Chad will as well. So oh, you should yes. uh, you should go join that movie discussion group. Um if nothing else, so you can get the links to the two actual important pages that you should get to on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, 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 oh! Real, real <laughs> well, quick though, funny thing that I read about um, uh, James McAvoy, which he he's great in this as he was in Split. Yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah. he does like you know twenty characters in this one, which is just insane. It's completely hilarious watching the end credits, and they credited them name. all individually yeah, in the right. credits, which I thought was great. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his name and it's got 20 different and... names beside it. Yeah, it's awesome. They specifically, he has 24 personalities and 20 of it make it on camera. So they only list the 20 that made it on camera <laughs> with his name next to them, which I thought was a great oh, touch. They, they didn't even list all of them because right. some of them, some of them were edited out. He recorded like all 24. So they took the time to be like, all right, like that Mexican personality had like 10 seconds on camera. She's in the credits. Like, <laughs> Well, and the funny and the funny thing is one of the one of the characters um, is based off of I forget her name, but the girl from uh, Lady Bird. Um, uh, Shorsi Rose. Yes, 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 yes. Evidently, he was in a movie with her a while back, uh, Atonement or something like that. Yeah, he, Atonement was oh, yeah. one of his. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, he he evidently based one of the characters off of uh, her because uh, he 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 just. I, there was something about her that he loved, uh, how she carried herself, how she talked, and um, his time with her on that film. He based one of the characters off of her, which I thought was pretty. That's funny. fantastic. It's gonna be like a mixed bag of a compliment. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. The, 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 the <laughs> other thing, because uh, bringing up uh, Taylor Joy again, uh, she's in the, the new Mutants movie, which has been like... Oh, which is never going to come right. out. <laughs> That's never going to happen. Right, which <laughs> I've been so excited for that movie for a while, and uh, uh, hopefully I, it'll come really out this year, it, yeah. but we'll see. So, anyway. <laughs> I didn't realize she was in it. I mix up her and Haley Steinfeld a lot, so I have oh, to like, no, figure out no. which one is which. I, I could see getting them mixed up, though. Well, uh, guys, thank you. I think this, uh, I think this is great. Um, this is actually the first episode we've recorded for 2019. All the other ones were recorded in 2018 yeah. so far. So, uh, this is a great start to the new year, and looking forward to doing it again soon. Maybe another one of these three-way episodes. This is great. This is awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, Gla- yeah, Glass is definitely the best movie of 2019 <laughs> so far. <laughs> <laughs> Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the geek revolution. Want to know more? All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Glass with Ryan Darty and Chad Clinton Freeman. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too, you know, all over the place with the uh, three people talking, but I think it came out really good. And, uh... It was a lot of fun talking to them about that movie. Uh, you know, I, I've come over the last week to decide that I did enjoy that movie. Um, I, you know, I still would stop short of saying it was actually good, but I definitely enjoyed it. Um, and uh, it, 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 it's, it's. It's fine, as I said multiple times to the episode. So, uh, anyway, um, as always, I want to remind you to please rate and review Piecing It Together on iTunes if you enjoy the show. And make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app of choice. Also, join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. Follow us on social media, at PiecingPod. And get in touch. We, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about all the episodes, what you're thinking about the puzzle pieces, if we missed any. Um, we, 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 we'd love to hear from you guys. So we, we thank you for listening, and we would love to hear more from you. Um, we also just got reviewed on a podcast called Pee on the Pods, and uh, where they, they kind of roast podcasts, um, and they really could barely find anything to... To roast us about they liked it so much so that was pretty cool um so it's always good to know that people are listening and they're actually enjoying the show so if you're enjoying the show let us know um uh, so that's it for now um uh, we were supposed to do halloween this week and we do have that episode recorded and uh we're just gonna have to push it to next week unless something else pushes it out of the way at this point halloween i mean it's not gonna be a very timely episode but it is coming it's recorded and we'll get it in there one of these days i'm sure uh michael myers and all them aren't gonna mind too much and plus you know, spoiler alert, we didn't really like the movie that much, so uh, they, they probably aren't going to want to hear it anyway. But uh, that's it for today. I'm going to leave you guys with a piece of my music. 
Hmm, what should I play? You know, I, I never really played this one on the show before, I don't think. Uh, this is a song called Moving Backwards from one of my free albums called Further Into the Dark. Check it out, and we will be back next week with another episode of Piecing It Together. And all points west. 